When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. You know, at the end of the day, football is football. All Patriots, all the time. That's spicy. All Patriots, all the time. Welcome to First and Foxborough. What's going on, everybody? Another episode of First and Foxborough. I'm Kyrie Thompson, your host. Make sure you download, subscribe, listen, stream it on the Odyssey app and wherever you get your podcasts. You know the deal by now. Little bit of a break. I am back, though, after a little bit of R&R, a little bit of vacationing, going to a wedding, you know, having a good time, dancing it up. You know, what's going on? I mean, I feel like now, during football season, it feels like you really just get into a rut of everything is always football, 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 and there is occasionally life outside of that. I am back to selling my soul to the game of football, though, and in particular, breaking down your New England Patriots. So let's go ahead and do that. I'm going to look back a little bit before looking forward to what we've got coming up with the New York Jets, which is a massive game right now. First of all, to recap. Because of the past weekend's action, the New England Patriots have now found themselves, you know, after you know not playing a game at all, because this was the bye week, in the playoffs. All of a sudden, they now have the seventh AFC East. They now have the seventh seed in the AFC. All four AFC East teams are now in the playoffs. It is it's going to be a madhouse to finish the season. And the Patriots have games against all three of those opponents to end things up. Starting with the Jets coming up this weekend, my birthday. Hopefully they make that worth my while and I'm not just missing that entire day with my family for absolutely nothing. But I digress. Let's not make this all about me. Let's talk about the the Patriots coming out of the bye into this week and what they've been. I did I started a little bit of a, a midterm grades project for them last week. Didn't get a chance to finish it until now. So why not go ahead and break things down a little bit the way I see this team at the moment, how I would grade them. I started with the offense first because 
I mean, that's the one that everybody's really concerned about right now because of the struggles that Mac Jones has had and just generally this offense has had to realize its final form to get anywhere near what they were last season around this time where we kind of thought they were rounding into form and and looking like a team that could do enough in the playoffs to to make a difference. You know, Mac Jones was looking like a, you know, he was clearly the best rookie quarterback in that class. Definitely ain't looking like the best second-year quarterback from that class this time around, and they need him to start looking like that here pretty soon. But, okay, before we we you know just do it all about the quarterbacks, let's start at the top. I had the offense graded out as a C-. Now, obviously, this is, you know, there's a lot of negative feeling about what they've done in the last couple of weeks, but I think if you're looking at the totality of what the offense has done this season and has not been all bad, and in particular – I think you could say those couple of weeks where Bailey Zappi was in the lineup and, oh, the people might use this as a gotcha. Oh, my goodness, Bailey Zappi uh, is, is what's making this offense go. Didn't say that. But I do think that what they were able to do with Zappi and even at points, obviously, in that Baltimore game with Mac Jones looking a lot better and, and even Brian Hoyer, the one, you know, what, one and a half series or two series or whatever that Brian Hoyer was in the game before Bailey Zappi came in. You, you've seen glimpses of this offense be able to be competent, to be able to move the ball, to be able to get points on the board in, in a somewhat cohesive fashion. Like that, that exists. This offense is capable of that. It just hasn't been consistent enough, not nearly consistent enough. So, I mean, it's not a failing grade, but it's also clearly not a good one. And unfortunately, it's closer to bad than it is to good at this particular time. We will see what adjustments they have made to this point. But let's start top down. Quarterbacks, C. And again, Bailey Zappi kind of carrying that grade a little bit. And I have been on record a bunch of times as saying, look, he did it against a couple of bad opponents, uh, you know, against the Detroit Lions and the Cleveland Browns, who are not necessarily particularly great defensive teams, but again, did what he needed to do and kept them afloat for those couple of games when Mac Jones was unavailable to play. I mean, and, and again, throw the Packers game in there as well, the way he held his own against the Packers. And then I, I think, unfortunately, though, I mean, you're looking at Mac Jones, who is your starter. He is your better of the two quarterbacks. I'm just not going to hear any debate about the contrary, but he hasn't been he has not played as well. I mean, th those two things can be true and they have been true. Mac Jones has not played better than Bailey Zappi so far in, in the time that uh, you know they, they've both been on the field. That's got to change now. Again, as I mentioned, Ravens game. Mac Jones showed signs of being able to operate this more explosive passing offense. And I think that in the first meeting against the Jets, it, it didn't look good. And obviously he had a turnover in that game. But I think that there were some some good things from a process standpoint that made you feel good about, I mean, him knocking the rust off and just looking like he can take what the defense gave you. Again, you know, didn't turn the ball over against the Colts, which is a step up. But I feel like he arguably looked worse as a passer. Um, though, look, there, there are just so many reasons that Mac Jones isn't looking good that aren't all about Mac Jones. There's so much going on around him that needs to get better, but he also needs to get better. And if he doesn't, then it raises the question of whether or not he's the kind of quarterback that can elevate your team 
or whether he's the kind of quarterback that needs everything to be perfect around him in order to succeed. Because if that's going to be the case, then I don't know how much longer that's going to last with the New England Patriots. I mean, obviously you get this year and probably next year, but I mean, quarterback is unforgiving in the NFL. And if you're not exceptional, then you're just kind of like everybody else, then you could be replaced. We're not there with Mac Jones yet to me. We will see what ends up happening this week. If the Patriots finally realize that the way to go in this league is to tailor your offense to the quarterback instead of, you know, making the quarterback tailor himself to you. I feel like Justin Fields with the Chicago Bears has shown that resoundingly. Make an offense for your quarterback, what he feels comfortable with, what he's good at executing, and then what do you know? When you do that, sometimes your quarterback plays better and the rest of your offense plays better as a whole. I'm going to be really interested to see if the Patriots start to trend in that direction. Don't know that I have a ton of hope for it because of this idea of, oh, yeah, we got to be a game plan team. That's what we're all about. It's what we've always been about. Look, sometimes when your original plan ain't working, you need to change the plan. And to me, that means making this Mac Jones's offense and not have Mac Jones playing in Matt Patricia's offense. So we'll see how that goes. On a more positive note, running backs, really good. Gave them an A-. minus. I mean, Ramondre Stevenson, what more can you say? The guy is coming on as one of the better running backs in the league, a true three-down back. Over 600 yards rushing already. He's added 35 catches to go with that, which is kind of up there in the league right now, top 10 in the league right now among running backs. And, I mean, you just see him making people miss the way he does at his size and the big plays that he continues to rip off, the elusiveness. I mean, he's got it all. He really does. I mean, except for maybe, you know, breakaway speed. He doesn't necessarily have – you know, 4-4 four, four speed where once he gets out in the open, then it's done. That's an 80-yard house call, something like that. That's probably the only thing he does not have. Other than that, I mean, what more can you want out of Ramondre Stevenson? And I think Damian Harris has been solid when healthy and, you know, continues to you know run hard and, you know, provide, you know, good yardage and he's 4.3 yards per carry, which isn't necessarily what, what he would want up to his standard. But, you know, playing hurt, I think, and also trying to find his way in this new Ramondre Stevenson world. But again, that's a solid player. The only thing I'd say is that aside from those two, you don't really have a lot else in that room and not a whole lot of productivity. So, for example, when uh, you know, Damian Harris wasn't really doing very much, um, you know, it was kind of Ramondre Stevenson. They were trying to find something with you know, Kevin Harris and J.J. Taylor and Pierre Strong. That wasn't getting it done. So, um the depth is a problem, but hey, as long as Ramondre Stevenson and, and Damian Harris can stay healthy, then you'll probably be just fine. The whole Damian Harris staying healthy thing, though, been a problem. Wide receivers. C. Not great. Not horrible. Jacoby Myers is obviously the best one of the bunch. He's getting better every single year. You know, his the way he's he's added to his contested catch game, even though he's not the most explosive leaper or the the fastest guy out there. Like he just gets open. He finds a way to produce and make plays. That's what he does. Devontae Parker and Nelson Aguilar have had a hundred yard games. They've had like kind of their one blow up game. Other than that, they haven't really done a whole lot. It's been pretty spotty. You need it to be better. And I mean, look, Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne have just, 
I don't know, man. Like you expected so much better from them coming into the season. I mean, others might say they didn't expect much from Aguilar, but I think I did um, based on the way they were using him and the way that he was performing early on. And obviously after that 100-yard game against Pittsburgh, you felt like, hey, this could be a turning point. And it really hasn't been. Aguilar's put the ball on the ground a lot. He's had a drop that led directly to an interception. Kendrick Bourne just, I think they've just sort of, I don't know, forgotten about him or decided that he's not that important to this offense, or maybe it's Matt Patricia holding a grudge. I have no idea, but it's it's disconcerting. I feel like they should have a little bit more going for Kendrick Bourne, who is, again, right now in terms of production, their most explosive weapon in the receiving core, and they just haven't done anything with him. I just, I don't, I don't get it. Uh, Tyquan Thornton, great story in terms of him you know, coming back from injury and then jumping basically straight into being the wide receiver three. I mean, that's great. That's awesome. But again, after that Cleveland game, not a whole lot of production, right? He gets his first two touchdowns, you know, catches a couple of balls, gets really involved in the game plan. And they just haven't really done anything for him since, um, you know, and, and he's had a drop or two and, 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 you know, the, the targets haven't always been, you know, sticking with him the way that they were early in the season. I mean, he's still getting a feel for what it's like to play in the NFL, what it's like to get open in the NFL. I'm not going to be too disappointed about it. I think he's a good player. I think that he's got potential. I think the Patriots need to figure out a way to get the ball back in his hands, even if that means handing it to him, getting it to him on screens, what they were doing in the Cleveland game. I don't understand why you don't just keep doing stuff like that. Get the ball in the hands of your playmakers. I don't understand why all of a sudden, oh, because we're playing a different opponent, that means we're just going to not run certain plays anymore. I mean, things like that are kind of maddening to me. Okay, now that I've kind of gotten that out of my head, I, look, it's a crowded receiver group. Again, just not just not enough production for the number of bodies, number of solid NFL players that they have. And Jacoby Myers and a couple of other guys have talked about it just needing to be better with their execution, be better with their route spacing. I mean, just just these little details that have to get better because because again, I mean, Mac Jones can't he can't run your routes for you. He can't catch the ball for you. They got to do that part to make their quarterback or quarterbacks look good. And they need to do better at that. But again, could be a whole lot worse. They were never going to be as bad as some people thought they were going to be where you know there were a ton of concern about it but again if you want to be the kind of offense you want to be to make the playoffs and do anything in the playoffs wide receivers got to show up no who else needs to show up that offensive line c minus there were times this year when it looked pretty solid but that has not necessarily been the case of late and a lot of it has to do with david andrews not being in the lineup to me and I mean, it's adversely affected Cole Strange, who looked like a pretty good player basically up until these last two weeks. And I mean, I think it's hard not to look at that and say, man, he really needs David Andrews next time. I and yeah, he's still got Trent Brown. But I mean, Trent Brown is doing, I mean, he's on his own on an island a lot of times. And he's being trusted to take on single blocks against really good edge rushers. So, that means Cole Strange is oftentimes like he needs help from the center. When that center is James Ferentz instead of 
David Andrews. That's that's not good, both from a communication standpoint and just a physical standpoint. I mean, they're not working that great together. I mean, it's not that difficult to understand why that is. Uh, but hopefully David Andrews being back, I mean, it sounds like he's back at practice. Hopefully he's ready to go again after that concussion that he suffered against the Chicago Bears a couple of weeks back. That would be huge for this offensive line. Michael Owenu, I mean, hey, that guy's been awesome. I mean, one of the best guards in football, again, one of your highest graded players on your team overall, again. So that part has, has been consistent. I mean, he had one bad game, I think, really against the Chicago Bears. And the rest of the time, he's just, he's been a rock. I mean, they don't get through on this man. He's not allowed to sack all year. I think I, I had him as, he's like one of, like three offensive linemen, three or four offensive linemen in football right now to not give up a sack and allow fewer than five pressures. I mean, the guy's been really good, really reliable. What else can you say? Right tackle? That's not been the case. That has not been very reliable at all. Been bad. And so I think you're Isaiah Wynn, Marcus Cannon, Yadnik adjust. It doesn't really matter which one of them is in there. It's not good. It's not working. So that has led to something Taylor Kyle suggested and, you know, what a couple of other people suggested. I suggested this actually, that maybe Michael and when finally has to kick out to right tackle, maybe this amount of time that they've had in the bye week is enough to do it. Maybe they're just going to go ahead and keep sticking with what they've got at right tackle with this revolving door. But I got to be honest. I mean, Isaiah Wynn kind of Flitting in and out at guard, I think, sets the table for something like this. The fact that you can just say, look, we played him at guard a little bit. He's one of our best five offensive linemen. We just don't know that we want him out there. We know Michael Nwenu can play right tackle competently. I mean, look, the, the guy can play just about any position you want him to play. He's that good. So I think you got to give that an honest look. I think you really need to consider the possibility of Isaiah Wynn at right guard Michael and Wenu at right tackle, don't move Cole Strange out of the starting lineup. I don't think you need to do that. He just has to work through some of these rough patches. And I think that when David Andrews and Trent Brown are the ones flanking him, he'll probably be able to do that because he was doing it all year up until a couple of weeks ago. So that'll be something worth watching. We're probably not gonna get a chance, we're not gonna get a chance to see that, I don't think, uh, during practice. So that'll be something we'll be watching out for during pregame warmups. On Sunday, who's in that starting offensive line group? You know who's been pretty bad? The worst of all of it, really. The tight ends. That's a D minus for me. F, if you if you you want to, because I, I know people like extremes, they want to go straight to F. You want to call it an F? Fine. I mean, obviously they've had a game or two where again, like against the Cleveland Browns, where they were both over like 60 yard receivings, meaning Hunter Henry and John Smith. They had their big games. And every once in a while, they're still making an impact here and there. But just by and large, they just haven't been doing enough, man. And again, maybe some of that's on the coaching, which, I mean, if you want me to grade the offense coaching, that has, again, been pretty mid. Again, you, you could talk about the, the Bailey Zappi games and, again, what they were doing to open up the tight ends and open up, you know, certain guys during there and help Zappi succeed more play action, which, I mean, that just helps the tight ends more, gives them more over the seams, more in the intermediate, and they just haven't been doing that. That's a play-calling problem, partly to me. 
because I mean, you've seen it now enough times. They have a problem, meaning the Patriots, with just calling way too many unnecessary deep routes in situations that don't call for it. And guys just aren't open, whether it's Smith, Henry, the wide receivers, doesn't matter. They're not open because it'll be like, what, second and two or like you know, third and four, and you're calling for 15-yard routes. They're not open, okay? You got to give them something shorter and, and help them out with play action. Just get the ball in there. Again, there, there's got to be some ways to, to scheme up getting the balls in these guys' hands. And this offense just hasn't figured out to do that. And again, that part's not on the individual players. That's not on Hunter Henry and Johnny Smith. But again, you look at the production for the, the salaries they are being paid. They're not being paid to block. Great. You guys are doing whatever in, in the run game. You're, you're getting your body in the way and, and stuff. Even though, again, watching Hunter Henry block is not really the most aesthetically pleasing thing I could think of seeing either. But... You're not being paid to block. You're being paid to catch passes, get yards, score touchdowns. They're not doing it. So, I mean, until that starts, I mean, you got to look at them with a pretty critical eye. And to me, that means, yeah, great. You, you've had like a, a half a game or a, you know a decent game here or there, but the rest of the time you've been bad. That's got to change. And I think that arguably you could say, the tight ends are the key to unlocking this offense. If they could just figure out what the hell to do with their damn tight ends, they could be a solid offense. So, hey, that's another thing on your list. Figure out how to use the tight ends. That's all for this one. I'm going to do the defense later. We got plenty of stuff going on this week leading up to the Jets game. You're going to hear from me and Mutt at night following our chat on Tuesday nights on Take Tuesdays. Stay tuned for round two of your Patriots midterm grades, and let's get ready for Sunday against the Jets. See you then.